All right, look at that. Here we go. And uh, this is a cool one from Talbot Farms in Palisade, Colorado. And what a day it was. Wow. I think we had four or five stops, but this is my superior drone work right here. <laughs> flying over the farm. It's a little choppy because it goes right to an app, but still, um, still really cool from uh, the perspective of the sky. Just take a look at that. Very cool day. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. And thank you guys so much for coming out, supporting the industry, promoting the industry, and continuing to connect the farmers and ranchers, winemakers, cider makers, and distillers uh, all together and really promote what we all do here. I'll tell you what, uh, we have to thank our sponsors, our partners around the state, just the best of the best Colorado products. And that's, we're having a dinner tonight and uh, just kind of out front. And it's that point in time where the sun starts to go down and cools off just a bit. And that's what makes Palisade so special. And actually the fruit in Palisade that same way, because that, that drop in temperature, I don't know, last night it was 93 degrees at nine o'clock at night and 2 a.m down to 60 so you see that 30 degree fluctuation and that's a very special um very special climate to grow anything in yeah. that's why oh, kaibab good to see you Kai good Bap, to see you boy. greg yeah, yeah. Call, we call it the diurnal shift because <laughs> i love to geek you out greg it's the change in daytime temperature to nighttime and that's like what you said captures the freshness that 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 sun that's shining all day is creating all that sugar and then at night it cools off boom retains the acidity and that's like what makes our peaches and grapes so amazing here oh man isn't it interesting that stress can make something so beautiful <laughs> it is it doesn't doesn't make me pretty it makes me old <laughs> <laughs> tired. it gives me wrinkles man <laughs> it works for fruit that's for fruit that is for sure uh joe good to see you too you're out today working doing the thing yes sir i love nice it see you guys. The cool thanks for catching up with us uh here's a treat brian and this is the first time we've caught up with um bruce on our stream but um bruce talbot thanks so much for joining us here Thank we you. had a day man wish you were here with us um but all the stuff that you're gonna see it's it's stuff that i'm sure you're very familiar with you're going to um comment on it the same way but i want to go into find our instagram and this is what's called an instagram story and the story is true as we um kind of go through the day i want to get this up and play this as well but brian kind of set up the, today's and just walk through the progression of time we woke up here in the parking lot you guys plugged us in it was great to do that jay decided to sleep outside did jay did you sleep on the rocks or the concrete where'd you sleep jay uh, i don't have a microphone jay slept right out in an orchard actually and he got a he got a, i slept in uh uh i slept in the apple orchard Yes. Not, not, not only did he sleep in a peach orchard, oh. he slept right next to the compressors yes. of the cider mill. So all night long, every hour on the hour, them compressors were just kicking off, firing up. So what I hear is Chicago near the L train. Jay, Jay didn't sleep then. He said he slept great. It was unbelievable. It was like the so he had to grow up. He had to grow up next to a train station or something. Because because us, uh, you know, us living out here in the country, if we don't hear crickets and yeah. like, you know, soft breezes and rivers, we're not falling asleep. You know, sirens will wake us up. Oh man! When my uncle came in to work this morning, he was like, 
do you dislike the guy you have camping out there? And I was like, why do you say yeah, that? Yeah, that's like, a different story. Do me a favor. Your mic's working. Yeah. Uh, yours isn't. Bruce, come on over here. Sit by Joe. You guys can yeah, have yeah. a microphone. That's I'll fantastic. We'll do a little musical chairs here. There you go. I appreciate that. We grabbed an interview with the brewer who apparently doesn't talk to anybody. They got Danny to do an interview. Really? Danny doesn't. <laughs> that's what I said. He doesn't even answer. I was like, how the heck? And so I walked up to Danny, and Danny was like, well, you know, I had a couple drinks, so I was like, whatever, I'll talk to them. And he was really talkative and just a really pleasant, nice guy. Maybe he just needs a couple drinks. <laughs> BLT, what's it all about? So it's on toasted sourdough with our baked sauce, which is a spicy, our house-made bacon, um, fresh tomatoes, lettuce, and uh, that's about it. The bacon's going away soon, so I'm getting it right now. Yep. I got I get it. And a beer. Thank you. Cheers. Here we are, Savage Spectrum. I couldn't get enough of that. What's up, Talbot? What are you drinking, dude? Oh, I'm getting half of the day off having a passion. <laughs> you had to throw that in there, huh? Day off. Boy, you guys pour a lot of those, don't you? Yeah, I can imagine. What's up, Onyx? They're trouble. The weekends are crazy. But what a full day. third day. And that tasting room is just, it's come so far. Here we are, Palisade, Peach Shack, TME, Road Trip. Now, now, this was a, a really a highlight to um, meet James, and that was a cool thing to turn us on to him. But just to have that, that center point um, of, I mean, culture, community, delicious food, coming together and having that hub to be able to... And what a great staff. Uh, very inviting, very friendly, really give you that Palisade feel of just family. And everyone's very well educated there. They're fun to be around. And uh, I think, as you said, they do a great job of bringing in collaborations and working with multiple farms who are producing great value in what they're doing. And I so. think there's some big things coming up with them as well. Well, amazing how many condiments that his wife was making right there on mm -hmm. site and selling. I, at first, you know, because you go into some of these little stores around and people are having them made by a third party. Right. And so at first you look at that huge wall. Mm -hmm. You assume that. You assume that immediately. And then yeah. you find out once you talk to James that his wife is actually making that stuff. And then they collaborate or get it from other people. You were telling me about dad's hot sauce. Here. Yeah, yeah. Dad's. Dad's sauce. Dad's sauce. There it is. Is it just me or is that a nectarine? It's a nectarine. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get a call it out. So that's what we're doing here tonight, and cooking up these. Coming things. out with Mr. Talbot. He's doing the cooking tonight, you guys. Tune in. I love it. Tune in. Tune what about Bruce Beers? Oh. Well, the best guys to know. Uh, hanging out with him. I was hanging out with him at the spot in Denver. They treated us very kindly. Thank you for that today. I'm going to keep drinking their beers. Super helpful. So from their family. Do it again, Joe. I, do it again. <laughs> I want you to stand up and do that again. 
<laughs> Say thank Say you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I love your laugh, Joe. Yeah, it's here? awesome. Oh. He does it again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the loop, there it is. Voice over. It's the double. And that's where uh, it takes I, us right now. I, I do got to tell you with Brews Beers, we did your guys' fall dinner series at Carboy Winery. We went, and Brews Beers was one of the uh, featured uh, beers for the night. And we met the guys, hung out with the guys, and they were immediately like, our tap room's closed, but you guys can come hang out with us. Like, that's where we're going to head right after this. So Joe and I drove over there, and two hours later, we had an Uber home. Because they're like, no, 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 you have to try every beer here. Yeah. And they're doing quads. They're yeah, doing, like, quads, all these Belgian beers that just – we tried super good, alcohol. super high alcohol, and you're just like, dude, I'm trashed, man. I'm not going to make it. Like, <laughs> I have to get an Uber. Now, did you get to do that with Charlie? Yeah, yeah, He's absolutely. Incredible guy. Fantastic guy. Yeah. Here's the proof of that interview, just in there's, case there's you thought Danny, we were. Palisade Brewery. I can't believe it. There it is. You got it. Colorado boy. Uh, yeah. He's got the Colorado boy brewery. He's got a book. He's opened up six can you turn that ball around? No. That's it. That's probably up on the stream. But just to give you an idea, today was a full day, and I mean, geez, we've got, um, I don't know, six interviews, six different interviews. There's last night, but what a full couple of days. Here's what I want to do. I want to break, come back, and do a little reset. Uh, it's not very often that you have, I don't know, just the knowledge base and the history and I want you to just talk with us for a little while in this next segment, if you wouldn't mind. I think that um, there's a lot that's going on right now, and we'd love to catch up with you. So that's what we'll do. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and Bruce Talbot's going to join us right here on the Modern Eater Show. I don't see them. Do you see them? I don't see them. I don't know where the heck they are. At least we know they're in Colorado somewhere. Somewhere. I'm going to go find them. But in the meantime, let's go back into the chef's playground. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Colorado, Rich O'Brien here with Elevation Food Service Reps. Monica Leonard helping me out here. We just got back into the chef's playground. Uh, big supporters of the Modern Eater. We hope you guys are having a great time out on the road trip. I'm getting kind of excited to go see those guys. Oh, super excited. You know, the Modern Eater, we're super, super excited to be uh, supporters, sponsors. And boy, these guys are really doing a lot for the Colorado food service community and all of our restaurant tours, especially as we come out of COVID. Um, what we've got here is what we like to call our chef's playground here at Elevation Food Service Reps with all the brands that we represent, a lot of best in class brands. Yes. Um, and, and Monica has been real helpful in helping get a lot of these events set up for people to come in here. And we want you to feel very confident coming in here to use some of our state-of-the-art equipment. So look us up at elevationfs.com or give yep. us a call over here at 303-750-3727 and uh, just let us know what you'd like to demo. Come see us. Yes, we, we are a Colorado family-owned business. We have our very own Colorado shelf. Hey there, barbecue all-star. This is your year. So what if you weren't drafted? The only draft you need to be worried about is actually spelled D-R-A-U-G-H-T. And it's adult for the word beer. It's barbecue season, baby. Now get out there and grill your ass off. minutes to where I was going to crack this open and take it home myself, but I decided I would stock you guys up for your road trip. <laughs> the 
Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local. That's why I support the Modern Eater. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, and um, this has been a really cool day. Brian, I don't know what stuck out for you the most today. That's interesting. What did stick out the most? I, I, I got to tell you, there were different parts that meant a lot to me in a different way. Um, learning a little bit more. We, we took that tour, but today I felt like I got a little more out of what we did today with you. Um, just talking about it. Um, over at Savage, the, the seeing the devastation, that really, it, it, you know, put a bookmark in today for me because the, the I know you're going to be resilient. I know you're going to come back. You guys always do. And that's like the grit of what I always feel like you guys have here in Palisade. Um, and so it, it just meant that meant something to me. Um, it, and and I gotta say, going over and seeing what James was doing, um, I had a lot more respect for the guy. Um, he really seems like he's got a a neat operation over there, and is 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 an entrepreneur in many different ways. It seems like um, it seems like farming is one aspect, um, and it it to me it's quite amazing that he's able to do himself both the farming, the store, the manufacturing and all the different things that he's got going on mm -hmm. over there. So mm -hmm. it, it just, it, I, I'm always amazed whenever I come to Palisade of what you guys are doing out here. So what Brian was alluding to, um, talking about Kaibab Savage and the devastation, um, to, to tail on that, the devastation is basically the vines. 80%, you said 80 to 85%? 85%, yeah. Man, we were just out it's back bad. there. Let's, let's play this, because this I thought was a really cool clip from today to just hear you talk about this. Looks like I need to go on a diet. You look great. <laughs> this was a whole vine, you know, producing 15 pounds per vine with a full canopy like these. You take all that energy back to a couple of shoots, it's going to be too vigorous. So that will devigorate the vine. Then we're going to come back through after they've lignified it. We've gotten woody. And pick two nice trunks to bring up just like this. We're going to tie them up. We're going to tie five times to here and then probably five times each direction and that will reestablish the structure and then next year that guy's such a nerd who is that <laughs> that's good stuff that's good stuff <coughs> bruce lowest bidder uh, <laughs> talking to that microphone one of the things we're doing a um 1600 mile loop in colorado this is our fourth year doing it and uh, just telling the stories of men and women in agriculture. And right now there's, a, there's an effort, there's a war on agriculture that I can't really seem to understand why it's out there. Um, but, but seeing the things that are happening, whether it has to do with labor, whether it has to do uh, with farming or water or, or just the, the perception of how consumers see agriculture, I don't quite understand why they're, why this positioning is happening going into the future, but we really need to uh, come together in agriculture. Your thoughts over the years that you've been farming in agriculture, some of the hardest things that you had to overcome, and then let's look into the future of things as you look around corners of some difficulties that'll be coming up. What are the things that you've had to overcome in the past in agriculture? You know, I I would say first and foremost that if you need security, you don't want to do agriculture because it is a high-risk type 
occupation. Yep. And there are years that we live on the averages, and we have to, as long as the bank doesn't foreclose on us. But uh, we, it is not something that you can count on a certain income every year. And so, yes, uh, there's a lot of qualities to it. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great lifestyle in many ways, but it is a high-stress lifestyle. And uh, many people are not cut out for it. You've got to be there's. You've got to be there. What has happened though in recent years is that we have such an incredible divide now between the urban community, the urban consumer, and the agriculture producer that we are not. We're on two different planets. Mm -hmm. And um, there, you know, I, in some ways, I feel like we're going back to the city states of medieval Europe, mm -hmm. where there's a wall around the city, and at night you get inside the wall. And if you don't get inside the wall, you may, may or may not make it. And the farmers go out in the day to go farm everything that supports the city. The city is what it's all about. And, you know, I hate to feel that way, but when we're getting. Are when we have urban Walt Disney type ideologies of what it takes to grow things, what it takes to make it in, what it takes to produce food and fiber, what it takes to manage the rural communities, um, it really beats us up. And we have done a very poor job in communicating to our urban cousins of what we need to do to survive. And somehow, I don't know how we have lost that, but the there's a reality check that we're not, uh, we're not very successful in communicating. Mm -hmm. And so urban legislatures, urban ideologies, urban values are crushing rural communities. And whether it's in ag lab, uh, labor, whether it's in, um, Wolves being, you know, uh, introduced. introduced to uh, areas where they're going to wipe out herds and flocks, whether it's, and you know, the people that vote for that stuff, they don't have wolves in their community. Mm -hmm. They're voting for wolves in somebody else's community. Mm -hmm. And whether it's uh, trying to keep uh, fossil fuel industries in oil and gas and coal, uh, still, you know, some of the backbone of some of the rural communities healthy or not and we're just not we don't have the support to keep rural Colorado healthy that we once had and I don't have an answer we're somehow we're not communicating well with uh, the voters with the urban community on what we need to succeed mm. Where, yeah, where'd the disconnect start? Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, it w an interesting fact. I still need to fact check it, but I think it's a great one. Thirty percent, fifty years ago, thirty percent of most people. Go ahead. Uh, so fifty years ago, thirty percent of the population could tie themselves to a farming family. Mm. Now it's less than one percent can tie themselves in today's day and age to a farming family. It's crazy. At the Great Depression, we were 50% of the population was still on a diversified farm. That was only 1930. 
That's not that long ago. And today, like you say, we're under 1%. When this country was founded, we were 90% of the population was a diversified farm, whether it was Massachusetts or New York or Connecticut or South Carolina, Virginia. We were diversified farmers. Our politics was a citizen. um, It was not a professional politician. We planned on people coming from businesses and farms to figure out how to run states and how to run the country. Mm -hmm. Today, what we have is professional politicians, Mm -hmm. professional people in the government that that is their career. That wasn't where we started. We started with ag people out being our politicians, our legislators, our governors. Uh, We don't have that anymore. Well, and in a way, you just answered my question then. The, the diverse the decline of the diversified farm because what you just shared is is that that's it in 1900 we you know 80 to 90 percent of people were tied to a diversified farm yep and then it, by the depression it was 50 percent mm-hmm. and then I would you, like you said today it's less than one percent yeah that I I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation but I also think that everything um, the the pendulum will swing back and you got to be ready for it. I agree with that, Greg, because because I come from a family. I grew up on a small farm, five acres, right? Nothing. My dad worked for a government, had a government job and then farmed on the side. And I went into agriculture for no good reason other than I loved Palisade and farming. And I'm one of the, I know, yeah, I'm an idiot, right? But I loved it. And yeah. so I went into farming. I'm one, I'm raising the percent by a tiny yeah. bit because yeah. I actually wanted to because I love farming. I love doing what we're doing yeah. and sharing what we're doing with everybody. And the pendulum will swing back. Yeah. And I, I, I think it is, I hope it is. So that politically yeah. correct mindset of where everything's under scrutiny and um, just have to drill down on like well, it, t- too much water, too much footprint, too much this, too much. And really not knowing what you're talking about is the war on agriculture. It is. And that mindset will start to eat yourself when you start to wonder, huh, where is my food coming from? How is my health? How, how am I connected to the community with my food? And when you start to see those things, then it starts to, that's when the pendulum starts swinging back and you're like, okay, that doesn't make sense, but it takes that collective voice. And that's the one thing that really frustrates me with agriculture is the lack of representation on Capitol Hill. That collective voice just really isn't there, whether it's, um, you know, downtown Denver, and uh, the, the lobbyists of, of what we're seeing, because right now there's a Proposition 16 that could be just so devastating uh, to Coloradans. If we're so getting disconnected from our local agriculture, it's gonna be harder and harder to get local products and, and going further from them is not gonna benefit us at all. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a strikingly interesting conversation, but uh, one of those things that I think needs to be drilled down on, that's one of the things for our crusade as the modern eaters, we want to show people where their food comes from and the stories and how important how important it is, and it all uh, intertwines. It, it's just, it's just a cog. It's a wheel that works together. And with that being broken, we saw the devastation of food chain getting just decimated this past year, and how that works out. Look at the European journey compared to the American mm-hmm. journey. And in the European journey with the 
various wars that have gone on, First World War, Second World War, and various wars before, they have, they have gone hungry. They have starved. They have done without. And so their history, their value system, is they will protect their production. And so they make sure that they will subsidize, they will do whatever it takes mm -hmm. to make sure they don't lose their farmers. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. The Americans, we've never gone hungry. Mm -hmm. We don't know what hunger is. Yeah. is it we, don't take know, that, we don't know what an empty supermarket looks like. And so we have never in urban mm -hmm. existence gained an appreciation or value for the production systems that get food and fiber to our houses, to our stores. Um, we just don't have that. Do you it think it's a challenge that. of capitalism and some, a good challenge of capitalism? Because we're coming, I mean, I think to Greg's point, this pendulum of the agro-tourism, I would, my personal opinion is, is that is part of this pendulum because what is happening, and I, I just, I've seen things that from a retailer's perspective a long time ago, 25 years ago, in that side and seeing how the, the, the shift is long for the consumer, but when they start making it, when they start getting engaged, I really feel that they will come to a place to start supporting ag by this because they see your challenges when they can come out here. And obviously we've got to take it past the, well, just the tasting room, but you know, being able to really educate these people of every chance we get to touch them. And well, and I would say listening to Greg and listening to you is I think, yes, that pendulum is starting to swing, but the problem with the American society is convenience is king. Yeah. Easy as king, and that's why we have such a far swing yeah. currently. Is it's become too easy to get fruit from out of state, and people have become too disconnected. So us as farmers, we're trying to make those strides to get people to our farms, to get people to understand, to do the agritourism, to get people mm -hmm. to farm their own vegetables. Yeah, but it's going to take time. The and my fear is, it is legislation-wise, is that because so many people outside of our industry don't know what we do they're going to legislate us out mm -hmm. and then we will be buying it's fruit from all oh, over God, I don't the world well i, I don't want to well, think what, about it but that's yeah. what we see what what strikes me from what, what you said bruce is um one thing that's a stark reality that most human be beings face is that you don't know what you have until it's gone hindsight is 2020 and what what i'm hearing from you and i is that in order for this to go back and move in the right direction we need to suffer a little bit to do that and that is a scary proposition are you afraid seeing what farming will go into with technology with mainstream with um i i want to have this conversation because i think we're in good hands uh, with the future here in farming and agriculture, but you know, well, not so sure. Let's let's talk to the old school guys and figure it out. Let's take a break. We'll come right back. I mean, truly, we've been up since the crack at dawn, and I've been talking all day. I'm excuse me if I seem exhausted. I am, but this is important, and that's why we're so glad that you're tuning in and seeing these things as we tour the state. This is day five out of 21. We'll be out just hitting the roads and telling the stories and showing you really what is up. I don't know where you're going to find this anywhere else, but you can get it right here on The Modern Eater. I'd say share this stuff uh, when you see it, but most importantly, keep in track of our Instagram and our Instagram stories and see the partners that we um, 
get together with because these are the best of the best Colorado brands. You saw Scott from Royal Crest Dairy here today. People come together in this community, and that's why I'm so hopeful for Colorado, and that's where my love lays, is Colorado. We'll break away, we'll come right back, and we've got to get some dinner in us. Is dinner ready? Are the steaks done? We gotta cook no, the steaks. When, when we're talking, we, we can't, can't be cooking steaks. We can't, steaks. Can't, can't, we can't be I'm eating steaks man. either. All right, we've got steaks you. to cook. We've got Colorado dinner. So we've got uh, mushrooms from Hazeldell in Fort Collins. We've got cheese from uh, Sawatch, yep, which Sawatch. is fantastic. I don't know whether we use the butter or not. This great Colorado Mills sunflower oil. The butter will go on the steak at the end. At the end. Yep. The steaks are from Centennial Cuts. Um, in Fowler, Colorado, we'll be down. In well, the and then we got some area. local squash. Well, yeah, local squash. Palisade. What are you making with that squash? So what I'm doing is some salted garlic fries out of a local uh, cue ball squash. Mm. And you said you had some your mom's secret spices. Oh, of course. Yeah, I threw those in there. I'm not giving out those recipes, right. man. We want to eat. Uh, don't <laughs> give away the recipes. Don't do that. We want to <laughs> eat, but we also want to continue this conversation. It's um, kind of that OG farming and then next gen. How is that transition taking place, and is, and is it going well? We'll talk about that when we come right back from Talbot Farms right here in Palisade, Colorado. <laughs> Studio Kitchen here, guys, delivering some butter for your road trip. So what you doing in my parking lot? So Sawaj is a uh, artisanal company that focuses on European-style butter and cheeses. Yes. So we have our 84% European-style butter, grass-fed butter. This one is 100% uh, grass-fed butter, uh, over 84% butter fat content, which means there's more butter fat, less water. Cooks better at higher temperatures. Perfect for baking. Oh my goodness! Look at that. Look at the color of that. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that, that our customers notice. What? This is a new release. We don't even have it out yet, Greg. This will be going to retail this weekend. Oh, look at that! Thanks again. <laughs> Absolutely. Martin. Man. Later. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms. And I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching the Modern Eater Show. Farm box foods, farm box foods. We are a company who builds farms and shipping containers. So we make hydroponic and gourmet mushroom farms. Here at Talbot's, we've kind of taken those steps to move ourselves outside of just relying on fresh market fruit. We've, we've gone into the apple juice program. We're getting real serious about the peach juice program. Uh, at this point, you know, we're making hard cider. We're making wine. We're selling bulk wine. We're selling bulk juice. We're doing these things mostly to continue the farming legacy and to continue to be able to farm without relying 100% on fresh market fruit to bring in other sources of income and cross diversify and the other nice thing about what we're doing is it's allowing generations after us to have a piece of the business that 
is not the core of the business, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's it's so that's exciting to hear the way what you're talking about and how you're preserving something for future generations to come. Well, that's it's so important. My dad and my grandpa beat into us, and they won't believe it. But my 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 granddad beat into us. Uh, Talbots don't sell land. This is what we do. This is who we are, and we will continue with who we are and what we do. Uh, that sounds. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. No other way. Look at this. We're coming over for some steaks. Well, I thought that's really cool, and you're doing. Yes. It, it's Merle. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, so Merle is the production manager. Did you forget my name? And yeah, see, I like he's Merle. got you. He's our production manager and assistant winemaker here at Talbot's. Uh, been a good friend of mine for 16 years, um, uh, and just an absolutely fantastic <laughs> chef. I mean, you could not he's ask. Look at this. Could you ask for something he, better? He's got to move it around. He knows what he's doing. Move it around. And these are big, big, juicy centennial cut steaks right now. Yeah. yeah. So just move it around the grill. And it's a new grill too, so you really yeah. don't much so worked in there. Based in there for anything to Turn all the way down. I was just telling Merle these cuts to the right are a new cut from Centennial Cuts, and they found it's called a Denver cut. Oh no! That's, that's what. Yeah, that's what. Oh no! That's, <laughs> yeah, oh no! And um, I don't know. I'm anxious for you guys to try these. I'm anxious to try them. I'm excited. I, I'd like to talk to the guy who is naming them, but you know. Uh, the Palisade cut? Well, I mean, you could go with Mile High cut. I mean, something. So what we did here earlier is those are mush caramelized mushrooms and onions. These right here are that fresh squash from Palisade, Colorado. Then we have some apricots and some peaches that are done with my mom's favorite seasoning. So we'll see how they turn out. How are we going to eat them? Just like that? Just like that. Whole hand, basically you, you bake them on a grill for 30 minutes with the spices on top. Spices break down into cinnamon, sugar, salt, um, and a couple other things. And you let them sit and you start to bake them down until they start to just peel over. Once they start to peel over, you saute the top and then gold. Might as well cook them all up. Are there some hungry people inside still? Oh, there's always hungry people. <laughs> well, before your dad took off, I did want to finish the conversation. Maybe you could do that. But Charles, just talk about the future of farming and as you go into the future and see your colleagues. I feel pr pretty confident and your brother Joe is starting to touch on some great points. It's the educational point and how can we get that education out to the right people that need to see it. Well, I think that's the biggest thing lacking is farming is, and so many people in farming is painted farming is left or right. You're, you're one or the other. You're an organics guy or you're a conventional guy. You're a, you know, it's, it's, it's been categorized in an area that it should not be categorized because it's food. Yeah. And there are different things that we do, but here in the United States, there's going to be nowhere else in the world where you're going to get higher quality fruit is based on the standards that we're held to here in the United States, but, but both on the organic side and on the conventional side. You know, we, we look at all these old videos of how farming used to be done in the United States. That has changed. 
Those videos are from 40 years ago. You know, pesticides, like these fear tactics, all of these things. Um, I'm not saying that we don't use pesticides and different things like that, but the education portion on what we're doing and why we're, do we're doing it would really go a long ways uh, to educate the consumer that they are getting good fruit. We're trying to protect the fruit. We're trying to protect the trees. We're trying to do... Um, all of these different things. So I think that's our biggest uh, battle that we face is quit making it a left or right yeah. problem. Yeah. It's an everyone problem. It's a food problem. It's a survival problem. And it the second that we say we're gonna we're gonna overregulate uh, uh, farming in the United States to a point that we won't farm in the United States because if it comes to a point, there are major corporations and large farming names that everyone knows in the United States and the majority of their fruit is coming from South America. They got an American name, but they're not going to play the politics. They're not going to play the games. They're not going to do that. And then they're going to go down to these other countries and they're going to use labor that is cheaper. They're going to use tactics that are not the same quality in what we're trying to produce here in the United States. But if we push ourselves to a point that we can't farm here, people will adapt and overcome. If they want to be farmers, they will either uh, lessen their farm into being strictly a CSA, direct to consumer, and they can do really, really well. But if you want to be a conventional farmer, you're not going to have the ability to do so. Unless we start getting in front of the consumers and say, guys, these policies that we're putting forward are not to hurt anybody. They're not to change anything. They're to protect the lands that we have here. And, you know, my grandpa back in the 1980s, him and my grandma were actually the first to start the Mesa County Land Trust that has now turned into the Colorado West Land Trust, that it now conserves 4,000 acres of land in Colorado that is protected for just agriculture alone. The farmers care about this land. They care about what we do. They care about the consumer. We wouldn't do it if, if we didn't care about it. And so it's just getting in front of everyone and saying, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Isn't These it interesting how we made food security, that word, bad? We actually villainized that concept of food security because of exactly what you're saying. It took a left or a right position instead of the reality that it should have taken is, is food security is about all of us and about keeping people farming, about protecting our farmlands, about keeping our food regionally, locally as much as possible so people get nutrition mm -hmm. over I mean, just commodity. I mean, I always like, I, I talk to kids about where their food comes from and so many of them think it comes from a truck and they don't realize that it actually comes from the yeah. ground. Well, it goes back to losing seasonality. You know, people know so little about their fruit that they call us in December and ask if we have peaches. And it's because we've made <laughs> things, it goes back to that convenience. We've made things so easy at... The, the, the fruit market are going to, you know, a, a Walmart, Kroger, mm -hmm. not, not to throw anyone's names out there that, that anything's bad. They got to keep fruit and food year mm -hmm. round. Yeah. But so many people think the beef, why would you, why would you hunt? Because you can just buy it at the store. Well, it, it comes from the same place. Let's, you know, it's, it's the Unintended same thing. Unintended consequences, right, it's, Charles? Yeah, I mean, they got what they wanted, exactly. which was they wanted a strawberry 12 months a year. They wanted asparagus 12 months a year, and they're, now they're willing to ship it from Peru to get and it not up here to not know eat where it. it's coming, coming from. from. 
And, I, and I'm not opposed to buying fruit from other countries or anything like that. I just want an understanding of what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I want people to know this is where these things are coming from. That was exactly the conversation I wanted to have tonight, and I did not do a great job of setting it up or even talking about it, but Charles, you did. You really knocked a home run out of the park because that's exactly what we're up against. It, it there's should be zero division and it should be 100% unity because yeah. that's where we're gonna get it back on track. Good stuff, man. Let's take a break, we'll come right back. We're, we're getting close on eating and I'll tell you what, Is it? these steaks are looking really, really good. We'll take a break, we'll come right back. We're at Talbot Farms, there he is. And <laughs> we'll wrap it up I'll with Bruce you, Talbot when we come back on the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> Scott Jones, my friends, what's happening? Yep. Do you mind if I dig yeah, in? Dig in. Let's dig in. Right. Ooh, boy, I know this. Let's start with this, though, because this is on my breakfast table all the time. Yep, got the staples here. You got to have eggs. You got to have milk. This is the best bacon right here ever. The Polidori family is playing this with Carrizo, heavy cream for the chef, right? Oh Natalie's strawberry lemonade, a legendary chocolate milk. I'll tell you what. All right, we're all hungry. We're gonna go eat. That was a great, just a great wrap, and what a wonderful conversation. Uh, much smarter people in the room, uh, and so glad they are. But Bruce, as we were just talking through the break, there you said that we exist um, at the pleasure of the public. We exist by consent of the voter and the public. Yeah. And if we can't sell to the consumer why it is valuable for Colorado agriculture to, whether it's the peach industry, whether it's the beef industry, whether it's uh, sweet corn, whether it's onions, doesn't matter. If we can't convince the average voter and the average consumer why it's valuable for us to be here, we're gonna get legislation and we're gonna get things happen that make it not feasible for us to continue to play. Mm. So we need to have that relationship with our consumer community and our voting community as to why we're a valuable part of Colorado. 
Yeah, exactly. And why they should support us. Farming and agriculture. So true. One of the things that I say that you need to do is, and, and they're happy for you to do, is just stop by. Yeah. <laughs> stop by. Make the trip. Connect yourself. Educate yourself. And then just see the importance of it. Um, what great closing comments. Do you have any more? The, the one thing I would say is locally and realize we are very lucky because mm-hmm. we're in the peach industry. Mm-hmm. It's glitzy. It's sexy. And when we hear the media in Grand Junction say, well, I think our peach crop is going to make it through this year, we have won because it is the community's peach crop. It's not just ours. And that's where we need to be in all of agriculture in Colorado to where the community owns and appreciates what we do, where their food is coming Mm -hmm. from, and how it is being grown or raised. Mm. And if we get there, we win. Yes. Amen. Everybody wins. Amen is right. We have a great video. We walked around this facility here today uh, with Charles Talbot, and that was a really fun time. That's on our Facebook. Check out that video as well. Uh, Close it up, man. Give us some words. Well, I appreciate you guys all coming out here. Um, Last thing I was closing with right before we ended Mm -hmm. was we don't want to see that suffering. We need to do a better job as the rural community of advertising why it is important Showcasing. for us to um for us to just show how wonderful it is to be a part of your individual communities different farmers in different regions different wine growers brewers um just be a part of it uh don't look at where anything you have comes from mm-hmm. and the reality is the more local, the more fresh, the more consistent it is, the better it's going to be. You're going to enjoy any product you consume more when it is uh, when it's right there, when I'm it's fresh. You, fresh is yeah. the way to go. And as the modern eaters, <laughs> yes. we want fresh. Yes, we do. Um, I'm not saying anyone doesn't do a great job in different countries, different states, sure. but the less it has to travel the fresher it's going to be. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Good stuff. Charles? Well, and I I will say, you know, in in watching the beer community and watching the wine community, that's more the community that I've been engulfed in in the last six years. And people care about local and people want to know about their beers. Why do we not have that on the fruit side? Great question. And, and, And that is something on us because that is what the breweries have done in breweries, wineries, cideries, have done it, or distilleries, at them all, but they've done an incredible job of doing is showcasing that they are local. They are doing That's this. a whole other show, but what a that. great point. And it wasn't easy at first because a lot of times you'd walk into a brewery and you were just intimidated and so you wouldn't even go. And I think that that's where you need to take that intimidation out of the education to where you want to absorb, where you don't feel stupid, where you will ask questions, where you would want to learn more because those folks are in urban environments everywhere. Uh, agriculture can be a little bit intimidating and in educating yourself with what that. What lessons so. could you learn too, Greg, right? From what the beer, beer industry did for you guys in the ag industry, there's there's got to be a lesson somewhere in there. Well, in, in connecting with different colleges, different organizations, different everything else, putting our face in front of them and saying, this is why we do what we do. I'm not saying we yeah. can fix the problem overnight, yeah. but a greater understanding, if you sent every high school kid home mm-hmm. with a plant and said you had to keep this alive, yeah. 
for a year. I agree. It, it would but here's one thing you guys do change, so well is you, know? you, you do well with your branding because one of the things that works so well is whether it's a brewery or a football team or anything else, the minute you put a hat on and the minute that you feel connected to it and you start to show it off, you sing those praises and then you're connected with your local farming and that's what I want people to do. It's, it's cool for me to be connected to this farm and I like that. I like that idea of bringing that community together through wh whatever it takes to build that community and I think a lot of it's building cool brands and Talbot's right there at the top. Well, I, I, I think it, it caveats into not only creating cool brands, but creating brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Everyone that comes in the door, you should be so hospitable and so family mm -hmm. that they want to go out and talk about your brand. If you yeah. didn't do that, you're not doing what you should be doing as yeah. a farm market, as a winery, as a cidery, as a brewery. You want people to want to buy that hat and want to talk about mm -hmm. it. So Wear I mean, that t-shirt. Have you seen red yeah. ra raving fans? That's yeah. your, your point. It's Absolutely. how do you create a group of raving fans? I'd say exactly. celebrate your farm, celebrate your ranches, connect to it. I mean, yeah, show who you're supporting. Actually, I was just trying to angle for a free hat. That's all. <laughs> I, I can set you guys up with a couple of hats, I suppose. I'm just kidding. I suppose. Kai, Kai, speaking of that, so first of all, uh, I don't want to cut you off because you'll just go, and I want you to <laughs> just go off. <laughs> that laugh is priceless. Uh, speaking of that, come in. I mean, you guys have great apparel. You do great jobs with that. Everything on down the line between your labeling for your products to the marketing to the hats, everything that you guys do, I am a fan. And, and I will Very scream thoughtful. it from the rooftops. Yeah. Kaibak, go ahead. I just want to say celebrate every day. This is Sparklet. <laughs> this is our, our everyday affordable sparkling wine. This is this is what we thought Colorado should have. We saw that Colorado was missing a sparkling affordable wine, and we created it. But I want to That's speak fantastic. to what these guys said. Well, we're all drinking it here. Yeah, these are my boys. Like We're having fun. But I, I want to speak to what they said, and, and they're spot on in what they said about how the industry needs to evolve and grow and it's that we need to work together and that we need to keep pushing forward and we need to educate people we need everybody to understand that farmers aren't the best at getting on instagram and like telling everybody about how life was but it's real it happens i mean it happens like like we're, we're dealing with a lot of things and without that like how do you how do you move forward but um i love their place we're up at Talbot's Taproom, Centennial Cellars. These guys are such good hosts. I've I've known Bruce forever. <laughs> he's 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 the patriarch right now of the Talbot's family. It. We got Joe and Charles, and like these guys are rad. Like this is fun. Like, and, but this is collaboration at its best, and this is what the industry needs. I mean, a rising tide will float all ships, and that is what we are doing. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. B, it's what's up? I, I would just encourage everyone unplug from the city unplug from your routine that you were living every day that could have stopped you from meeting people like this and finding out where your food comes from it doesn't take a long time it just it, just an hour to get out of the city and see the people that are growing your food and if that's just that would be. Oh, and I it's mean, a pleasure, too. I mean, you'll enjoy it. It's yeah. fun as well. We're fun. We're fun, guys. <laughs> yeah. You will have fun. Guys. You'll have sparklet in your hands uh, in 10 seconds we of beating. You know how to get down on the farm. <laughs> 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 that song was created for a reason. <laughs>
Brain is a good thing. Life is short. Live well. Yes, we'll indeed. end it on that. That's it. Claps right here. Right Let's on. have some dinner. Cheers. You guys. Thank you. Ooh, you guys rock. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Guys. I love Thank it. Thank you, Talbots. All right, we're out of here.